This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to this special extra episode of Pop Culture Confidential, a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And happy Thanksgiving to those who are celebrating. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. So I saw Jane Campion's Power of the Dog at the Venice Film Festival back in September this year. It's still one of my most powerful and favorite cinematic experiences of the year. The film is Campion's first in 12 years. She did Top of the Lake for TV a while back, but it's been over a decade since she released her last film. And wow, is she back in full force. The Power of the Dog is a psychodrama, a western she shot in New Zealand, about two brothers who run a ranch in Montana in the 1920s. The charismatic rancher Phil Burbank, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, is a mean bully. And when his brother brings his new wife, played by Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst, to the ranch, Phil torments her and taunts her sensitive son, Peter, played by Cody Smith-McPhee. Twenty-five years since our first run together. Nineteen hundred and nothing. It's a long time. What's it doing? mixed up with her. You are marvelous, Rose. We were married Sunday. I wonder what little lady made these. I did, sir. Brother Phil? I had a couple of short conversations with Kirsten Dunst and Benedict Cumberbatch at Venice. They originally aired as part of an SVT TV segment, and I thought I'd bring them to you here with a little extra as a holiday treat. The two do some of their best acting in these roles, and there's a lot of Oscar buzz surrounding them. Kirsten Dunst told me about the unusual way she prepared for this role, about working with Campion, and working with female directors throughout her career, something she's done often, as in her powerful role at age 16 in Sofia Coppola's directorial debut with Virgin Suicides. Benedict Cumberbatch, who I start out by talking to here, has a massive year with this film, and he's back right before Christmas in the much-awaited Marvel film Spider-Man No Way Out, where he's back in his role as Doctor Strange. His role as Phil in The Power of the Dog, a bullying misogynist, took some intense preparation and lots of discussions with director Jane Campion, and his eerie whistle echoes throughout the film. you and um, Miss Campion approach this very complex character of Phil with all these themes psychologically? Well, through a lot of love and understanding, just delving deep into what made him and giving it time and space to sort of 
saturate me uh, before we started rehearsals and shooting and then when we did it was a very immersive experience she introduced me to the crew as, as, as Phil and said Benedict's really nice and you'll meet him at the end of the shoot <laughs> um, so that, you know there were no apologies or people pleasing from me it was all about being him mm. uh, and owning it and you know he not gonna say I do I really like him and I, and I know it's, it's a, he's a difficult character for people but um when you have an understanding and a, and a proximity to him for, for that long, you, 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 you warm to him, you, you miss him when he's gone. Who is um, he for you? He's somebody who is in search of authenticity in life and unable to fully realize his own. And that's his, that's his central kind of gravity, I feel. And I think he's someone who, on many levels, has completely mastered what he has being brought up to do you know he's from Brahmin stock they went ranching as a sort of hobby from the east coast from Boston it was just like oh, the Bezos and the Bransons you know popping up in space it was just like a hobby to him it was like no no I'm going to become an astronaut I'm going to become that rancher I'm going to be the best at it and and he truly is and yet then he's expected to sort of dress up and be performative and east coast again he's like no 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 you've raised me as this and this is who I am now that's my identity and I think that's where his rage comes from, that's where his delicacy and uh, fragility comes from. And yeah, it, it was just, it was an amazing place to occupy, it really was. And how did you prepare for it physically? It's quite a difficult role. Uh, physically, yeah, no, so I mean, I, 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 it was interesting. I was sort of training for the next film whilst I was doing this film. He, he's very lean, which is my natural kind of body weight, um, but, but, but physically a lot of horse riding, a lot of what his physicality, the voice, uh, whistling, banjo playing, whittling, braiding, more horse riding. You know, I mean, it was just an endless sort of uh, skill acquisition. Um, but, you know, at the heart of it, it's just how he occupies a space, even when he's not there, bizarrely. I mean, not that I was, you know, I wasn't always offset when I wasn't there, but you have to have such a presence as a character like that that when he's not there, he's still ghosting people. He's still very much in their foresight. We've been waiting for Jane to come back to film for a long time. What does she bring to this story about male toxicity, repression, yeah. and, and a very interesting male character? I mean, I think, as an audience member having seen the film, she brings... Hello everyone, my name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, Next Best Picture. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. The perfect lens to examine all of those themes and create a visual and auditory poetry out of it. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful film, but it, it really haunts you. And I think she's someone who can deal with um, toxic masculinity, as you described it, and look at the permeating reasons behind it and examine it and not just dismiss it as 
um, a bad thing or a bad guy or bad behavior, but under, understand it, which is our only way to going towards it. If you go towards something with care and love and you try to nurture it or at least examine it, then who knows, we might, we might wake up in a nicer world where it can be solved, where that behavior isn't self-destructive or outwardly destructive. So the novel is from 1967, mm. very popular. Yeah. How, how, what makes it relevant, 2021? Everything we've been discussing. Yeah. Everything, I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, whether it's to do with gender identity or sexual identity or whether it's to do with an ever-changing world and the pace of that change and holding on to the old and being conservative or moving forward with the new and being you know, bold and... and pioneering, it, all of those themes are wrapped up in it. And also I think, yeah, sure, the landscape and the time speak of alienation and isolation, but I think we're going through a very different form of alienation and isolation through our, you know, the epicene struggle we have with technology, you know. It's an interface that's so opposite or opposite to nature, but at the same time is creating something which is quite brutal in its own way. It locks us in as as islands in a way that those huge landscapes and being an individual in that landscape did in the olden days. So even that might, might have a resonance, mm -hmm. a very weird, deep level. What about your own process to get into a character? What do you do? Yeah, I work with a lot of stuff. I work with a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, uh, yeah a bit of that, a bit of um, just being him, just going off and thinking about it. The book was an amazing blueprint. Um, time spent with animals, with the cast, with you know, all the species that are in this film, and that was important, and that landscape, just to feel that I knew what the grass sounded like in my dreams, whistling in the wind, I, I knew what the sun felt like at the beginning and the end of the day, I knew what the bed felt like, and the smell of him, and the clothes that he wore day in, day out, without washing. Um, yeah, it, it was outside in and inside out, all, all, all which way with this character, and I had the time to do it, which is a real privilege. Thank you very much. Open up the gate, let him out. You sure he's not ready? Go on, let him out. It's just a man, Peter. Only another man. <laughs> man was made by patience and the odds against him. For what kind of man would I be if I did not help my mother? Peter! If I did not save her. Hi, Christina. Svenska? I mean, I, I don't, do I know, I know like Velkommen and I don't know Swedish. Because you have Swedish roots. I do. My grandma was Swedish. Not from Sweden. We're Swedes that like went to Minnesota. Okay. All right. That's where all the Swedes went. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, thank you. You have a, such a history of working with um, great directors and choosing very interesting roles. What drew you to Rose? For me, it was working with Jane Campion. Like, I say I would I would have played Phil. Like, I really like, don't really, you know, I would have played any role in this movie for Jane. It's to me, I, I, I think the opportunity to work with, like, filmmakers like her are, you know, they don't make movies very often either. So to be part of Jane's history of film now is, you know, was a, dr a dream of mine. 
she has said something interesting, well, she says a lot of interesting things, but one of the things she says is in her filmmaking, she likes to remind us, the audience, that people are animals. Um, how do you think this applies to this one? I think it's the vulnerability of people and so, she does have a sexuality she brings mm -hmm. to her films, a perversion, a sensitivity, a rawness. She like really wants people to be their most authentic, vulnerable self. And I think, you know, for my character Rose, she really, she's gaslit by Phil and it turns her into, you know, kind of a pathetic drunk at a certain point. So you just see, you know, a woman, you know, really fall apart from someone who's very functioning and owns her own business to someone who's, you know, all the things, all her functions are taken away from her and she doesn't have to cook anymore or clean anymore. The things that make her feel comfortable and, and give her, nurture her soul are taken away. And then on top of it, she has someone who's, you know, penetrating her and like trying to make, you know, get her out of there. Yeah, it's, Phil is a fascinating character that I think many of us will come to in different ways, sort of mm -hmm. the repressed patriarchism. But for Rose, why does he have this power over her? I think when you're in a vulnerable pos position and then the like, someone who's supposed to greet you as family is like so evil to you subtly and like, and I, I think that would, you know, if you're not in a good place, to begin with, or you feel like you're out of fish out of water. I mean, you could feel that way in high school, you know what I mean? You could feel that way anywhere. So it's just, it was just like the perfect combination and he's so intelligent. I think his intelligence made it really easy for him to just penetrate through her and make her feel terrible about herself. How does Jane work with you to develop a role this complex? I do things myself with mm -hmm. someone else. So I kind of like do my own thing and then, Jane likes rehearsal, so we rehearse for about two weeks, but I come with my own, you know, idea of, you know, how I think Rose should be portrayed. And did you do any, what kind of work did you do on your own? Um, I work with someone, mm -hmm. so I like do my own, I do a lot of dream work, actually. Oh, how interesting. That you analyze your dreams while? Yeah, I, I do, that's part of it. While you're reading the script? Or? Yeah, like I'll read, well, you can do dreams for different scenes, or what I do too sometimes is like, you write to yourself, and then whatever you dream that night, if you don't dream, you just keep doing it night after night. But like, you use your dreams as a way to get into the psychology of the character and kind of combine yourself with your with your character. So I, I use, I use a lot of different methods, but that's one of the methods. It's a short history, unfortunately, of, of female directors. We've been waiting for Jane for so long to come back. Maybe it's looking up with Chloe and Maggie Gyllenhaal is here. In terms of the industry, how do you feel in front of the camera, roles for women? I mean, I've always worked with women. I mean, the first woman I worked with was like on Little Women. I, I've always worked with women. So <laughs> for me, that's never been like a new thing. I just think it's interesting that now like they're finally being recognized for their work. I mean, but but that's like, you know, what what happened with Sophia? You know, what about Sophia? You know what I mean? Like I, she's also recognized for her work now, but it, it just seems like I've worked with a lot of females that, that weren't actually recognized at the times they should have been. And then now people are just, just kind of catching yeah, up. Yeah, now they're looking at the... Yeah, now they're catching and up. Roles. Well, I, I've been doing that for a long time, <laughs> working with female directors. And in yeah. terms of roles for women in front of the camera? I mean, I feel like, there's always like roles for certain age cat. It it depends. I feel like, you know, I don't I don't 
know. I feel like sometimes you, you know, you have to create your own opportunities. I think when you're younger, it's like, and you're an entrepreneur, there's like, seems like there's more opportunity. And then I think when you're older, there's more opportunity. So it just kind of, I don't know. I don't know. You kind of got to create your own, your own career in that way, I think. Well, you certainly have. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you for this movie. <laughs> Thank oh, you. thanks. You should Thank Jane, not me. Thank you so much to Kirsten Dunst and Benedict Cumberbatch. The Power of the Dog is out in selected theaters and will be out on Netflix soon. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. Have happy holidays and we'll be back with our regular shows soon. See you next time. Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes! Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.